another one of the things that Dallas Willard has said that messed with me because it monkeys with some of my essential assumptions, but I think he's, I'm coming more and more to think that he's right, is that he says human beings are actually not that mysterious. He's not saying human beings aren't mysteries in the sense that we can't reduce them. He's saying that human behavior is not as inscrutable as we sometimes make it out to be. Hello, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. I'm your co-host, Nathan Rittenhouse. And I'm your co-host, Cameron McAllister. And for those of you who have been listening along, our last podcast was on the moral necessity of being wrong. And so it's fitting that we jump into this podcast with a discussion of whether or not we were wrong about something. So one of you thoughtful listeners um, wrote into us, and I would, I would have to say that probably the Amy Grant episode got, yeah, statistically more feedback than some of the other ones. People by and large found that helpful. But one of you wrote in with what I thought was an interesting idea of saying, hey, be careful there, guys, of attributing kind of this. Because we kind of said, look, you know, if, if you're going to be a celebrity today, you kind of sort of have to capitulate to the modern mood. And uh, the listener thought that maybe we were misjudging Amy Grant's motives for the decisions that she was making. So he would say, I think if I'm getting this right, that, look, she can have a misguided idea but have reached that conclusion through a way other than cultural mm -hmm. capitulation. And, and that is, there's merit to that. Um, so I, I mentioned that to Cameron. I said, yeah, I think this is a good idea. We do want to be careful. And in fact, there are a bunch of other topics, particularly around ex-evangelicalism and evaluating other people's motives where you have kind of, here's what somebody is saying, but here's kind of why we actually think they're doing that. And what's the degree to which that's possible to actually, okay, you can't know somebody else's heart, but can you take a pretty good guess based on a cultural mood of why they're doing something? That's the, that's the question that mm -hmm. was submitted to us that I think is, was a very generous pushback and is a bit legitimate. But then when Cameron and I got to talking about it, Cameron, you said you've changed your mind on that recently. So yeah, let's, let's hear it. Let's do let's that. Let's have it out. Yeah. No, I appreciate that feedback as well and love that we have thoughtful listeners who are carefully parsing what we're saying. And Oh, can, can I interrupt you? So this is yeah. one of the fun one things here when you said about careful listeners is, and I think this is a really healthy sign, that when people write in and disagree with us, they don't go like, well, except for well, sometimes, like I'm never listening to you guys again, bunch of heretics, you know. Okay, that's that's a very tiny percentage of the ranting. For the most part, mm -hmm. you guys are like, hey, think about this. I'm going to continue listening along with you, but be careful here. And to me, that's a much more um, mature level of engagement when you're, you know, um, so I appreciate, we appreciate people who are interested in, in helping us grow as well, not just in being right themselves. So thanks, listening people. Yes. More of that. May your tribe increase. It also signs that we have a little bit of a community on our hands. So we would love to, we would love to be able to get you guys all talking together at some point too. So well, yeah, we just got we're thinking that. along those lines. But yeah, my mind has changed a little bit on this one. So ironically, this is an objection that I raised a few times back when I was reading the work of Carl Truman in particular. So mm. for those of you who don't know, Carl Truman is a church historian. He teaches at Grove City College, I believe. He has written a surprise bestseller recently called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, which is a book I would heartily recommend. It's really good. It's, it's, a, it's a work of synthesis. It brings together 
several different thinkers. So Charles Taylor, Alistair McIntyre, both of whom we reference numerous times on this podcast, and another one who's a little bit more obscure, Philip Reef. Philip Reef is a wonderful thinker. I would never know who he is were it not for my dad, Stuart McAllister. Philip Reef wrote a book called The Triumph of the Therapeutic. Very important book. He also wrote one about Freud called Mind of the Moralist. Probably one of the most incisive interpreters of Freud, I would say, but also one of the most incisive cultural critics on and interpreters of the modern mood. That said, he's really dry. He's not very interesting to read, but what he says is so powerful and so just very, very penetrating thought. Function but over form. Carl, Function over form. Right. But Carl Truman is a wonderful writer, very clear and very concise. And so he brings these three together Didn't really we talk well. About Truman, was he like hashing out with David French over something like a year ago or so? well, anyway? He yeah, he has a he has a few times. So Carl Truman He's come up before on He has. Yeah, we've mentioned him a few times. I mean he writes frequently for First Things Magazine. And so First Things Magazine was, the I mean, we're getting very niche here, but First Things Magazine had a whole series of articles kicked off by Sorab Amari about David Frenchism mm, <laughs> and really criticizing yeah. a certain strain of prominent evangelicals. So Truman is, is, is in that camp. And that's where, so this is where I initially disagreed with him a little bit. So Carl Truman for has for a long time actually been saying, hey, all of you evangelicals, and I don't think Carl Truman would call himself an evangelical. He, he's, he's Orthodox Presbyterian. But he, he, had, he had said for a long time, all of you cultural engagers, all of you guys who put such a high premium on influencing the culture, you're in for a rude awakening. Because as we move more and more toward a post-Christian culture here, the tolerance and patience with Christianity is really going to wane drastically. And then you're not going to be able to get a seat at the table anymore unless you either water down what you believe or you compromise in some way and you, and you adopt a more progressive script or something like that. And the thrust of some of what he would say seemed to be assuming that the motive behind these endeavors was to try to ingratiate oneself with non-Christians and to just fit in. Yeah, now I remember it, Nathan. It was, he had written a piece actually criticizing Mark Knoll and George Marsden, actually. That oh, was, that yeah, was the piece on that, the academic, yeah. That's right. Like and we sitting talked about in at the because, academic table. That's what it yes, was. Yes, and yeah, so his, his thinking there was, just to re recapitulate for just one second, was that George Marsden and Mark Knoll, both first-rate historians, that they would, that they believe, they seemed to believe that if you were, if you worked really hard at your craft and you just excelled as a scholar, you would gain a hearing just on the basis of the excellence of your work. And he's pointing out, more people are pointing this out, and I think a lot of our listeners would agree that increasingly the excellence of your work, the quality of your work, doesn't necessarily make a difference in certain university settings where Christianity is just ruled out on general principle and is and is viewed as socially harmful and pernicious. And it doesn't matter how skilled you are. It doesn't matter how winsome you are. And so one of the other examples that they often point to was, if you can remember all the way back, I don't remember the precise date for this, but Tim Keller was 
nominated, and actually, no, he he had won the Abraham Kuyper Award oh, at yeah. Princeton University. And so he was invited to come give a lecture for that. But then the award was rescinded, and, it, and they, I think they wanted to disinvite him as well. He went ahead and, you know, I think it was all coordinated, but essentially the, the, the award was rescinded because of his, his views on sexual ethics and female ordination. Th- that mm-hmm. was the basis of this, this res- you know, the award being rescinded. That happened. He came and delivered the lecture, but he was not given the award. So that was, that was used as an example of the kind of the changing, the changing tide. Okay, so, can I say something here? Yeah, please do. I've I've muttered. I, I, I've I would say kind of talked a that lot if there. you are still listening to this podcast, you're an amazing person because we are on the footnote <laughs> of the footnote of the footnote. I think and a cross reference an to the insult footnote. to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I is there's like really, really, really rich content. If Cameron here. hasn't lost you yet. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, hang in there. All right, we're pulling this back around to yeah. Okay, I'm. I just it's a compliment. To everybody yeah. involved, but I'm just saying this is why we'll never have a million Not listeners to, to our podcast. Don't, no compliment to me. All right, let me get off the footnote. All right, look, the so Truman has has basically said that you know a big motivation here is to try to get a, a seat at the table to fit in with the cool kids, so that Christianity gains a public hearing, but also just so that you're taken seriously by the secular world. And so I had a problem with that at first because I thought you're assuming that you. You know, you know the, the the heart and the motivations of these people in what they're doing, and that might not necessarily be the case. I've come to sympathize with this position a little bit more because, first of all, I I think that we are entering what would be called a negative cultural moment, in the sense that Christianity is viewed as socially harmful. I think by mm-hmm. our cultural elites, that's not true of everybody on the ground in small town America or anything like that. But certainly in our elite sectors, I think it's pretty indisputable that that is the case. And I think we've got some type, I've come to recognize in myself that I think I sometimes construe this as a bit of a false dilemma because I say, well, we can't have access to a person's heart. We can't know their inner motivations. That's true. Absolutely. It is sacrosanct that we can't, that we don't, we can't, another person's heart is not completely revealed to us. It's completely revealed to Christ alone. However, it is partially available to us. Other human beings are not totally inscrutable. Now, they are mysteries in the sense that we can't reduce them, even though we, sadly, to our own detriment, often do reduce people to caricatures in our mind. But they aren't caricatures, and they are available to us. And so I think we have to balance. The biblical principles I would keep operative here is we have to balance, on the one hand, that we can't, we don't have full access to another person's heart, but we also will know people by their fruits. And or so their words. We and their I mean, words. So we know <laughs> in people, a technical age, we have what people have said about what they believe about things, and that means something. Right. And so we we know people based on the ways in which they reveal themselves to the world and to and to us. And I think, and what I, one thing I always do try to do here, and I and maybe this didn't come through with the Amy Grant episode, but I want to do that. I want to do that here as well, is assume that people have good intentions when it comes to this, to the, to their engagement. So I think, I do think that evangelicals in particular, and I again, this is, evangelicals are my people. This is, this is where I came from. This is what, these are the circles I've grown up in, but place a really high premium on cultural influence. And the notion of being a Christian celebrity is still 
carries this massive mystique. I mean, I can give you a recent example, Justin Bieber. When people got so, I mean, I can tell you, I can point, tell you about numerous conversations of people who were just over the moon when he was, he and his wife, whose name escapes me now, were reading Tim Keller's book on marriage, <laughs> for instance. Mrs. Bieber? And when people, I yes, guess. this is Justin. Yeah, I don't miss <laughs> no. Bieber. So when, you know, but the notion that, isn't this great that, I mean, Justin Bieber, and, and, and I, when I tried to push into this a little bit with some people, they, they actually got annoyed with me. I mean, there were a couple of occasions where I said, why is this such a big deal? And, you know, I got what I asked for. Um, it's a big deal because, duh, it's Justin Bieber. Hello, which, okay, fine. But why does it make such a difference? And the idea, and again, lots of eye rolls and lots, lots of people annoyed with me, but the idea seemed to be because of the potential impact somebody like a Justin Bieber can have if he spreads the message of the gospel from his absolutely massive platform. Okay. And another one, another example would be Chris Pratt, who mm. was at an awards show. Can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was MTV Awards. And he had a speech where he said some silly Chris Pratt things. And interspersed with that were some vague, hazy, general words about God. And some people were really excited about that. Oh, he's, he's using his, his platform. And we, I mean, we've talked about this whole, we've talked about the phenomenon of the, of the, you know, prizing the celebrity. But the notion that this will somehow carry some sort of outsized impact because it will reach more people, I find completely unpersuasive, by the way. I think it'll reach a ton of people. But if we're talking about long-term depth, you know, reach, as in, you know, helping people to cultivate inside-out change and discipleship, I think that is absolutely not going to happen here. So, yeah, I didn't touch the the motivations thing too much, but the motivation seems to be if we can leverage that influence in a positive way, then we can reach a lot of people. So what do you do when the cultural moment turns completely and views Christianity as socially harmful, then your options become limited. Now, with regard to Amy Grant, of course, I don't know her full motivations for, just to remind our listeners, she is hosting, her and her husband, Vince Gill, are hosting a gay wedding on their ranch property for her niece. I mean, I think she loves her niece. I mean, there's going to be <laughs> one big motivation. She's expressed quite a lot of sympathy and affirmation for the LGBTQIA plus community as well. Now, if we just, if we take her on her, on the basis of her words there, you know, those are, it's, I mean, those are clearly acts of cultural capitulation. Okay. Hang on. But this is, this is where the pushback comes yeah. in though. And so where I want to say, yeah, let's do it. Um, is the problem the possibility that rarely are our motive do our motives have single streams of causation? So certainly, yeah. Is it is this not a just the complexity of part of what it means to be human to say you can have a well reasoned or a, yeah? So she can say it's out of love for my niece. It's out of my understanding of scripture. It's out of what God is speaking to me. It's out of what I saw during a psychedelic trip. I mean, I don't know. Like, just pick your reason for right something and and by the way that last one i just threw in there she didn't say that um and because culturally this seems to be where things are going so it, it, it seems multi-variable to yeah. me 
Um, well, it has to be. Well, we're all mixed bags of motives, you know, and human beings are, we're, I mean, we are rich and highly complex. <laughs> but, but I'm, in, but in I'm, I'm struck by, I, I, I interrupted you and you were saying something important uh, about you'll know them by their fruit. And so is there a sense in mm -hmm. which, like, if this fruit is produced, to what degree does it matter how that fruit is produced? Like, <laughs> if this is bad fruit. Right. Uh well, where's where's let's where also, comes the need to figure out the Let's just be realistic here for a second too and bring in some salient facts. I don't and this could run the risk of sounding cynical, but I actually don't think it is because again, if we're looking at actual factors and public behavior, it makes sense to evaluate what goes on here. So, Amy Grant, for reasons that that are a little bit mysterious to me, has a big LGBTQIA+ following, which surprised me. I did not know that. Now, that means that if she were to... Now, again, I also... I'm sensitive to the fact that, that if somebody is a celebrity and happens to be a Christian, that there's this tremendous public pressure for them to sound off on all culturally controversial topics. So I don't think that necessarily has to happen. I remember years ago, there was an interview with Eugene Peterson, and the reporter just asked him every hot-button question that there was. And it... It felt tacky to me, and it was it was it was because it wasn't even relevant to the subject of the actual interview. So I'm sensitive to that, but there is a time and a place where some of these issues do come up. And what I would say here is, if that's true that she has this, this is part of her constituency. There would be a serious social cost and a financial cost to her taking a stance for traditional a traditional view, Christian view of marriage. I don't even want to say traditional, the Christian view of marriage, the biblical view of marriage. And she chose, and she, she has not. And she made also some further statements about, a vague statement about, you know, Jesus commanding us to love people, and that's pretty simple. And of course, it is in the sense that we are called to love people, but of course, love doesn't preclude telling the truth. Of course, it's going to be different according, it's going to vary on how you do that because person to person doesn't preclude confrontation and it doesn't preclude taking a stand for what you, what, what is true. So that, those, those are some of the instances, that's the fruit that's in question here. And so while not having full access to her heart, these are not good statements. And she's in a position, I think, to make better statements. Well, okay, hang on. So this is, all right, let me be a little curmudgeon here. Do you realistically have an expectation for her to do other than what she did? So I guess no. my question is like, why are we, why are we shocked <laughs> and surprised here? Or why is this even really a, um, that dog chased no, a cat? Another, Amazing. Well, well, you know what? That's kind of how that works, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and, and she's, I mean, again, without getting into too much detail, this is not the first time that Amy Grant has courted controversy. So, well, that's, yeah. Ye, so, Sorry. yes, it's not, so surprising, no, but I think, yeah, again, I would, I would say there, there, there is room to make, I think, firm statements with regard to what Amy Grant has said. This is one of those instances where we can practice that fine art, 
so so lost today of separating the behavior from the actual person or what we or what we believe to be harmful ideas from the person. So well, we hang can, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, I got to think if I think that's true. So w- separating the idea from the value of the person, but your ideas very I mean. much are a part of who you are. Part of who you are. No, no, meaning yeah. the value yeah. of the person. So I, yeah. I mean, we can, we can say, so Amy Grant, some of her statements I would say are, well, that I believe that I seriously think that is wrong. But you can say that without dismissing her as a human being and writing her off as a human being. And it might just come to the place where one could just say, I, I, have, a, <laughs> I have serious, essential, and maybe disagreements with this person, in this case, Amy Grant. But I still view her, I mean, I'm not, I still am not writing her off as a human being, obviously not, but we must agree to disagree. Based not off of speculation, but off of what she says and does. Based off of what she she has said, yes, publicly. Correct. Well, there you have it. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to decide what have we answered here. So if I'm if I'm going back through the main argument of saying, yes, we do need to be careful in judging other people's motives. Um you're arguing. Actually, humans are fairly readable and oftentimes give us great clues yes. in what their the real reason for their motivations actually are. So go with that. Um, also recognize that people are totally contextualized and we look at some of what's going on in the world around us all, and then that makes some of our decisions less surprising. The, um, there's that we so look at the it's a fruit. balance. Yep. Yeah. It's a balancing act. So I want to one of the, another one of the things that Dallas Willard has said that messed with me because it monkeys with some of my essential assumptions, but I think he's, I'm coming more and more to think that he's right, is that he says human beings are actually not that mysterious. He's not saying human beings aren't mysteries in the sense that we can't reduce them. He's saying that human behavior and is not as inscrutable as we sometimes make it out to be. So we can, that, that just means that we are, we can we can understand one another. Real communication is possible. We're can not we as know private as full... we think we are? Correct. Can we know all the all the full motivations? No. But also, notice here that I am doing, in this instance, I'm doing Amy Grant the courtesy of taking her at her words. I'm taking her words seriously. And instead, so, so I think there is another version of, of, of this where you, in an effort to try to assume the best about somebody or to just make sure, or just to assume that you don't, you, that you have no access to their heart. You know, you can't ever know you end up actually not taking what they've said seriously. You know, you sort of say, well, she, she, you know, she probably didn't really mean that. That was that, you know, obviously that's a complete departure from the biblical view of love and marriage but that actually doesn't do full honor to the person. In this case, we would, I would say we're taking Amy Grant at her word. We're taking her word seriously. We're assuming that she means what she says about, about love and that her actions are, are, you know, are highly intentional. And we're saying, yeah, we disagree. We think it's wrong. But, I mean, again, it is... It's a time where I think we're going to see more and more of that. 
because if if your convictions come with a high social cost, that's really going to hit people who are celebrities quite hard. It'll slam into them because they're operating in sectors and spheres where their publicists are going to be haranguing them <laughs> if, they, mm-hmm. if they make certain statements on Twitter or to the press. And so that is, I mean, that is a factor. I mean, again, I'm, I, so many stories keep flooding into my mind. I'm, re- I'm recalling one about Bono from U2, which was not too long ago, where a lot of people were dismayed to find that he was voicing his, his support for the pro-choice movement in Ireland. And, you know, again, because he's been, he's been seized on as a kind of beacon for the church. I mean, you have whole worship movements that model their music after you too. So I think this is where we, I mean, we just, we need to be careful with that. I'm not saying positive cultural influence is, isn't a good thing. I'm not saying that, for instance, a show like The Chosen isn't a good thing. It is, it is. But I'm just saying it's a, it's you're walking a bit of a tightrope. And especially at a moment like this in our culture where, where Christianity is seen as poisonous by some people, that's not overstating the case. It will, it will likely come with moments where it's just, if you get that platform, if you get that big audience, experience shows here, it's really, really hard to let it go. Yeah, so answer this question then. Why am I becoming at the ripe old age of 36, just increasingly like cynical isn't the right word, but I mean, we live in a time in which love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. You know, like we're, we're, we're almost to the point where like the, the public uh, celebrity, like world of engagement and definition and theorizing and theologizing and politicizing is almost becoming mockable to the point of mm-hmm. and unproductive to the point of yeah so what's the degree to yep. which I should care about half of this stuff Cameron well i think your your mood is reflective of a broader change that's happening and i think it's a change for the better so that's a that's my way of saying I don't think you should care that much about it. Now, that's <laughs> yes, right by, answer. And I culturally right, pressured but, but, you into saying that. And I know the motivations <laughs> in your heart in getting there because well, you want to be here that, with me. <laughs> but by saying that, please don't hear me saying, oh, Amy Grant, Bono, they don't matter. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying, though, you know, the sh- one of the, the way I've, I've been phrasing this, the shift that's happening is move, we're moving away from, hey, give me a really powerful talk and speech on your Christian convictions. We're moving away from that to more one-on-one. What is it? Tell me what you do. Okay, you're a Christian. What what actual difference does that make in your day-to-day life? What do you do? And I think some Christians hearing this who are, you know, a little, little bit more low church, some of us might think for, you know, scratching our heads, well, I don't know, what do we, we I mean, we listen to we listen to podcasts. We go to conferences occasionally. Even that's waning now, by the way. Go to, go to Passion Conference here in Atlanta. That's where I live. Well, you know, and just to give you a point of comparison, so what, what does a devout Muslim do? Well, you you know what a devout Muslim does. They have a very specific set of practices or even what, what, is a, what does a Catholic do? You know, it's a very, very specific set of practices. Catholic, they go, if they're, you know, if they're a good Catholic, they go to mass. They, 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 go, they go to confession, as uncomfortable as that is. So we, 
this is leaning into actual habit and virtue and depth. And that can't happen from a massive platform. You can maybe get hints of that. You yeah, can maybe okay. get a so, little taste the, of that. But, but the, reason, the reason is, is that you have this really weird disparity of like people feel like they know celebrities because they know about the celebrity. And so the challenge for us is to speak about somebody who we don't really know about. And that is opening us up mm -hmm. to not mm -hmm. being able to judge their motives correctly. And so some Fair. of it is just yep. the nature of the beast where um, I think I could speak. If somebody asked a question about Cameron's motivation for doing something, I could give a far more intelligent mm -hmm. reply to that than I can for Amy Grant, just because of the nature of our relationship. So, and same thing with your people in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, there are degrees of knowledge of knowing people that kind of a, a solely digital online celebrity level. I, I think mm. that's part of the, like, it just seems so thin to me that. Well, and I think that's a good way to kind of wrap this up, Nathan, because you're right. You're. <laughs> Your actual, this is, by the way, why your actual pastor needs to be the main pastor you're listening to, mm -hmm. <laughs> not your, quote, favorite pastor. You know, you go to church on Sunday, but then you think, oh, well, now I can get my Alistair Begg fix or what, I mean, whoever that person is. That's, I'm not saying you shouldn't, you, you can't ever listen to these people. I'm saying that you, you probably ought to less, though. If those guys are, if you have somebody else replacing the voice of your actual pastor, because... Alistair Begg, good chance, good chance Alistair Begg is a total stranger to you. But your pastor, unglamorous as he may be, is not. And same with your congregation, your church, the people that, where the stakes are higher, your actual community, there you're even less inscrutable. That's what, that's what makes it so hard. That's what makes it so annoying because <laughs> you, you actually can read facial expressions. You actually do know what's going on in people's lives. I was, the joke I always make at my church is, if I teach Sunday school and somebody says, that was, that was an excellent and insightful lesson. But they also have to, they, these are the, also the people who have to watch my children in the nursery. And then I get, and then I get to hear later on about what my son said or what my, you know, what my daughter did. And it's, it's just instant accountability, instant kicking me off any kind of platform there would have been instant demystification. And as, as much as I don't like that, it's actually really healthy. It's good. And so leaning into your actual, a real community, not, not, not people who, where you have degrees of separation, where you can maintain this kind of tight control is so, so important because their motives and you don't have full access to somebody's heart, but you have, you have partial access and that access increases as you know, a person, yes, a celebrity, somebody, I mean, Amy Grant, total stranger to me. I don't know anything. I don't know her at all. I, I mean, I can speak about some of what she said on the basis of her words and on the basis of our shared humanity, which, by the way, is really important. That's something that's a whole nother podcast. We need to talk about that sometime. We've got an odd form of nominalism these days that basically says my individual experiences are so utterly and completely snowflakey and unique that nobody can access them except me alone. That is I, I would suggest to you that is completely and totally untrue. You, You're humanity like is everyone universe. Else. Yeah, you, humanity is a universal category. We, we, we can, by empathy, enter into one another's experiences. Not totally, but we don't have to totally. We can relate to one another. Anyway, okay, let's land this plane. Rant. What are we saying Land here? the plane. We're saying that we do need to be careful when we 
attribute motivation to somebody who disagrees with us. Yep, that absolutely. being said, <clears throat> Cameron's nodding here to affirm that. That being said, we can take the fruit of their actions, the words that they speak, the things that they're associated with, the fact that they're human like us, and make some valuable contributions to piecing together something that is helpful for us as we think about how we want to orient our lives. And if you can't do that, then actual, actually any type of analysis or knowing or communication kind of breaks down. And so there is a, a certain degree of unknown to each person, but is there enough in order for us to make statements about how we want to respond to things that we see other people doing? And we're to that question, we're saying the answer is yes. Mm. Enough is known there. Um, so we can separate out being judgmental about the value of somebody from being concerned or critical or encouraged by the words, speaks, speech, and actions of other people. So there you go. Not a nice and tidy bow on the question, but really appreciative of uh, the person who wrote that into us, gave us some good ideas to kick around here. And hopefully for those of you listening, it's been a caution and an encouragement. That's that's what I'm taking away from this. So thanks for sticking with us. You've been listening to Thinking Out Loud, a podcast where we think out loud about current events and Christian hope. Thanks for listening to Thinking Out Loud. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, book Nathan or Cameron, or if you'd like to support us financially, whether through a one-time donation or on a monthly basis, you can do so on the donate page at www.toltogether.com. That's toltogether.com. And please consider leaving us a five-star rating and sharing this content with your friends. It really does help.